Well, welcome to the uh, second episode. I guess podcaster episodes. I'm not actually quite sure how to <clears throat> how to describe it. So this is the second installment. How about that? Let's do let's do installment. This is the second installment of the Broke Dad Garage uh, podcast. It's a beautiful Sunday night in Tucson. It's probably about a hundred degrees out. I'm on the patio. It's about eight o'clock. And I'm enjoying this delicious Heitlinger Pinot Noir. To end the week, it's been a long week. Uh, it's been seven days straight of work. I got five more to go. And then we hit the weekend uh, on the, I don't even know what date it's going to be, the 29th? Today, the 22nd? I don't know. At this point, I, I can't even remember. But anyway, it's going to be a great weekend next weekend. We're going to get a lot of stuff started with the car, a lot of suspension tweaks in preparation of the mountain run scheduled for 7 July. First, though, the podcast is sponsored by the Carlson Block. This is my family's pizza place for all you guys out in Washington State. Check it out. It's out in Wilkeson. Fantastic wood-fired pizza. My brother's killing it. So if you have time, take a drive out. Enjoy a nice pie. They got fantastic cheesecake. It's a great place, great building, great town. I think they always say support local business, so if you have the time, that'd be fantastic. But I wanted to talk about, <clears throat> first off, I want to say thanks for all the support on the first podcast. It was uh, a little awkward, because uh, I don't really know who I'm speaking to when I record this, when we record these things, without a guest to play off of. You're just kind of going... Uh, free-flowing, whatever comes off the top of your head. Which oftentimes, for someone like myself, I live in my head quite a bit. So uh, while I'm driving the car, I'm sitting at work at the desk, I think all these great things in my mind, and then when it comes to actually putting them down on tape, or in this case, uh, on the laptop, it uh, it always doesn't come out as smooth as you'd like. But uh, we'll give it a go a second time in the second installment. So I wanted to talk about um, a few things. Uh, Car-related, obviously. That's the, the primary driver of this podcast and why this exists is some thoughts that I have about cars in general, but in particular about what kind of binds us in the community that I'm in, uh, which is, the, uh, of course, the, the import community. And... Uh, Really, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, something that I strive for a lot when I was a kid, you know, in my teens, once that Turismo syndrome started to sink in. Uh, I used to travel to <clears throat> drive down to the local Safeway. Of course, this is back before the Internet really began to make its place in our lives the way it is today in 2018. So this is so easily 20 years ago. There were many of us that had to go down to uh, to Safeway and visit that magazine rack. You guys know what I'm talking about, the magazine rack, where you, uh, you scoped out the newest issue of Sport Compact Car Mag, Super Street. I don't think Honda Tuning had been introduced at that point. But you used to flip through those pages, looking at those cars, thinking about what if one day, what if one day, you could somehow be featured 
I also I often and I marveled at how these young guys could build such amazing cars. I'd ogle the parts lists. I was envious. I don't think it was jealous, more envy than anything as to how could they at those ripe young ages be able to afford such expensive spoon and Mujin and June and Toda and all those things. Advance Volk wheels. Hell, even now I can't even afford a pair of Volk wheels. And I think I'm doing pretty good for myself. But there was something there, I think, that drove me. One thing I said to myself at that age was, one day I hope to be featured. One day, perhaps, I'd be in a position where I would build a car worthy enough. Worthy enough for some random set of guys sitting at a publisher in California to judge my car, take photos of it, write 1,500 words of copy, and throw it in a magazine. You know, but as I've gotten older and as technology has changed, uh, my thoughts about that whole process has evolved. And I often reflect on why I would want to be featured in that magazine, Super Street. What about Super Street? Why do I need that recognition? Is that what it is? Is that I need recognition? And do I need approval for what I build? Am I just trying to flex or show off, demonstrate to people how much money I have, how good my taste is in buying car parts? <laughs> I mean, really, what's the really what's the reason, I guess? But what's funny, I think, is that how technology has allowed us to kind of reject and break that that paradigm. And as I've gotten older, certainly as I've gotten into my 30s, I've begun to realize how shallow and superficial something like Super Street has become. And this is by no means a, a slight against the organization, uh, the publisher, and what they do, because I do certainly appreciate, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite, I still do subscribe to Super Street, albeit on my Kindle. I do it digitally. No more hard copies. I don't even know if they even do print copy anymore. And I do so because I want the I like the inspiration. I like looking at other people's builds because it gives me ideas. It helps kind of the creative juices begin to flow. But one thing I think that's still lacking in hard copy and even in the digital realm is the depth and the thought process that goes into the builds. Because it's, it's so much more than just a car with parts. There's so much more to it than that. And I don't want to get too philosophical or get too deep in the psychoanalysis of it all, but I do think about these things quite a bit because it feeds back into how I think about the cars that I've built. And a lot of this I talk about because I get questions on my YouTube channel about why I choose the parts I do or why I don't or why I do not choose specific parts. And recently I was asked by a a viewer why I didn't pick up a spoon steering wheel hub. I had purchased a few spoon parts from Right Hand Drive Japan, but I opted for the Works Bell hub in lieu of the of the of the spoon. And it got me thinking. And it's a good question. It's an, it's a it's a completely valid question to ask. Is why did I just not go ahead and go with the spoon? And I'll get to that in a moment, but. I think one thing we need to kind of establish is the fact that all of us value things, right? There's stuff that drives our values. 
There's a hierarchy in our value structure and how we decide what's important over others. And when it comes to building cars for me on a personal level, I've always been interested in balance. The balance of a build. Less so am I concerned with the name of the parts. Obviously, quality is important. But of course, that's all relative to cost and what you can afford and what you're, of course, trying to achieve. But when I think about the super streets, I think to myself, it's an old medium now. And no longer do we have to be beholden to this kind of gatekeeper, if you will. Because YouTube has totally broken that door down. I mean, it's really kicked it in, actually, if you think about it. And I've praised Christian Perez and his Honda Vlogs channel. Although I'm not going to say it's new, the concept is not new with respect to... Well, let me take that back. I don't know if that's actually the case. I'm actually unable to think of another channel that does what he does. And for some, they may just look past it and brush it off. I certainly see that he gets... A few thumbs downs, <laughs> a few dislikes, um, but there's something about it that's very special. And to me, what it is, it's a recognition, not only of the time that he takes to look through and follow other people's builds, but the impact that those builds have on him and his life. It's a two-way street. And the fact that nowadays, on a personal level, I couldn't care less if I've never features in something like Super Street because I own my piece of the world on the internet and my YouTube channel and my podcast where I'm free to make the content that I wish and certainly at this point I have enough people I have followers and this is not being braggadocious this is a statement of fact but the point is is that I'm now able to not only um, allow people to have access and to learn to see my car and this is also through Instagram and the like but to follow the process and to understand why it's being built in the manner that it is being built. And those people can have direct influence on that build. And that's so much more exciting, I think, in 2018 and in the community than anything that's been ever been done before. And I don't think people think about it enough uh, and the impact that that has. And, uh, I mean, there's direct impacts on my build alone with the Type R. The suspension that I'm running is directly impacted by the the comments of a viewer opening my eyes to other options that exist. And that's exciting for a lot of people because it allows them to not only be inspired but to provide legitimate feedback to what they see. And I do very well believe that those that are posting on YouTube, including myself, are looking for that feedback. That's different than looking for recognition. And that's different, certainly, than looking for approval. Because I truly believe that someone's build should be a reflection of themselves. And perhaps those people are lacking approval in their own personal lives, and that's what they look through through their cars. The car is a mechanism, a means to an end, and that end being the approval of others. And I do generally, genuinely believe that in certain cases. That, of course, is not in all cases. I'm not going to generalize and say that anyone that builds a show car, for example, is looking for approval on a deep, uh, 
personal level, psychological level. Although I do believe there are quite a few of those. Now how this now this circles back into the original question from Coda, who was the the YouTube viewer regarding the Workspell Hub uh, and the Spoon Hub and why I chose not to go with the Spoon is it's very simple for me. Is that there is no difference to me in perceived quality between Workspell. I've run Workspell hubs before. I think they're very fine. And the Spoon, I don't think there's any difference. So then it comes down to economics. It's very simple. For many of us, that the reason why this is called a Broke Dad Garage podcast and why I run a channel called Broke Dad Garage is not because I'm literally broke where I have no money, I can't feed my kids. But it's because I'm not in a position to simply spend it at will, at my whim, whenever I feel like it, without any thought of the cost associated with it. I actually think about it quite a bit. I think about, again, what are the what are the means? I mean, what's the end goal in mind, and how am I going to get there? And there are certain parts you can't skimp on. I certainly recognize that. But when it comes to a hub, if I can save $25 on a hub where I see no perceived value difference in terms of quality, then I'm going to go with what I think works. And that's works bell. No pun intended on that, by the way. So to answer Coda's original question, because I see no difference. I'm not interested and I'm not concerned with this idea of symmetry in builds. And this is something else that I wanted to talk about, which is called, I call them catalog cars. And it's interesting because uh, I've had a few experiences with this concept of catalog cars. And while I certainly respect uh, someone's desire to support a given manufacturer, such as Spoon, um, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I was disappointed in the lack of individuality that comes with the opportunity, the opportunities that were afforded when we begin to modify a car. Is that at any, I mean, you're putting your stamp, you're putting your personal touches on something. And to simply open up a catalog and say, oh, I'll give me one of each, um, is a bit short sighted, I guess. You missed the mark. Now, that's not to say that there's not something impressive about seeing a completely built spoon. DC2 or EK9 or perhaps, hell, I'm not a fan of Skunk 2, but there are those I've seen build, <laughs> hell, even Skunk, I think Skunk 2 does a certification now, I think you can send in your parts list of all the parts you've bought from them and they'll give you a sticker that says you're Skunk certified, as if that means anything, to me it personally means that you lack imagination, you lack something, personal expression perhaps, I think that's one of those beautiful things is the balance and the breakdown. And that's the question that Super Street never really could answer. And that's why. I love that question. It's one of my favorites of all time. Just why. This is probably the question which got me the most in trouble in high school. And in middle school was questioning my teachers why we did what we did. And it's not a lack of respect when that question's asked it's curiosity it's hoping to better understand and that's one thing that's always been missing from from that type of medium in terms of the automotive and import culture is why why that car why that 
engine choice, why that suspension, why that spring rate, why that exhaust, why, why, why. Now, of course, the answers may not be what you expect or what you want to hear, but at least you learn something about the owner in the process. It's just something I think about. <clears throat> you know, it's a beautiful Sunday night. Again, it's hot. I've got about a half moon out. I don't know if it's a waning moon or a waxing moon. I can't really tell. But I remember when I took the, the R in to get it. Uh, I can't even remember at this point what I was having done to it. Uh, one of the studs replaced in the rear. Young man there at the, the shop, Adrian. Very nice guy. Uh, suggested the skunk certification <laughs> on the R, and that's what got me thinking about that skunk certification. Something I would never do, by the way. I think you guys know me better than that at this point. Um, he, of course, he had an S15 Sylvia, which is a fantastic car. It's on a list of cars that I would love to to drive and own one day. And he decided to go with a lot of Tomei parts, which are very impressive. And he showed me photos, and it's... I mean, it's a be it was a beautiful car. And... If that makes him happy, that's fantastic. If he did all his research, or he chose not to do any research, he just said, give me every Tomei part possible. Again, it's his prerogative, as Bobby Brown says. It's my prerogative. And again, I don't think we should judge people. And again, I hope, hopefully I'm not coming off that way. Um, but these are questions that I have. Especially the car, the car show questions. With Honda, was it the Eibach Honda Meet? I watched quite a bit of video on YouTube of that of that meet, uh, and I can't help but be taken by the absolute insane builds that take place. And for someone that comes from a fairly frugal middle lower middle class background, the idea that people drop twenty to thirty to forty thousand dollars into a five thousand dollar car boggles me. Now, of course, as I've said before, I'm not auditing my car. I'm not keeping receipts. I do have receipts for everything I purchased. I'm simply not adding them up. Because I don't want to know. Because I may very well fall into that trap as well. Of course, there are certain lines that I will not cross in terms of cost. Uh, you know, wire tucks, engine bay, shaving. I don't see the point. I don't know what the point is of that other than to... Uh, it certainly looks clean. Again, I'm very happy when people do it. Someone else's money can be spent. Because it's fantastic to look at and marvel at. Uh, but I can't get over that hump of actually spending the money to do that. I think that's that's incredible. Um, but uh, it's just one of those things. I guess we need to appreciate all that exists. The kind of, uh, I don't collage or kaleidoscope of ownership that exists within the Honda community with the import community not just within Honda um, but yeah it's interesting so I've been I've been thinking and this is kind of something else we'll transition here to another topic I wanted to talk about which is is is, is new cars and new cars in general and how for me personal on a personal level I lack uh, I'm, I'm losing interest in in new cars I'm at the point now where I may have mentioned last week that we acquired a forerunner, a new forerunner for my wife. 
And at this point, I'm driving a domestic right now on the daily. It's a fantastic 2014 300S Chrysler, baby. An FCA product. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's surprisingly adequate for a daily driver. But my beautiful wife uh, gave me the green light to go ahead and look for whatever I wanted. She said, she says, the world is your oyster, honey. Go forth and be happy with your automotive purchases. And it's interesting because here I sit, grown-ass man, a car lover, with genuinely no idea what to do. No idea which direction I should go. Uh, with very little hope on the horizon because I genuinely don't think they make a car that moves me enough that I would want to purchase it and drive it. And you may not be able to believe that, but it's, it's, it's entirely true. It's extremely true. So I've been thinking about, well, I've been flirting with these all these ideas. You know, you got the STIs out there, the Ford Focus RSs, you know, all that good stuff. You got a Golf R. You know, of course, I need four doors. I got two kids. But you know, when you have kids, this is a great Pinot Noir, by the way. When you have, when you have kids and a wife, uh, priorities change. And uh, as much as I would love to live vicariously uh, as if I was a single man and I didn't have any children, I can buy whatever I wanted, that's not the case. So your pros and cons list, your requirements list for a new car begin to change. Now, ideally, my perfect car would be a, a wagon with all-wheel drive and a manual transmission. Those cars don't really exist uh, in 2018. Uh, Audi makes quite a few, but of course they're really not released in the United States. Uh, Volkswagen has this uh, Golf Alltrack, but that thing looks boring as shit. It's got terrible engine choices. Uh, it's not very sporty. Uh, so I'm basically stuck maybe at a ham, looking maybe at a hatchback. So my mind kind of tosses around some ideas, right? I could look at a used Mazda Speed 3 again. I had one for a few years. Nice car, enjoyable. Wife loved it. Wife loved it, so that's always a good thing, right? But unfortunately, being a 2013 is the last model you're sold, there's not a ton available. And the ones that are, are questionable to say the least. Of course, Subaru does not make a hatchback anymore. They stopped doing, I mean, and, and, and when I say Subaru, I mean the WRX, of course. 2014 was the last model year of those. I test drove those actually before I bought my Mazda. Wasn't a fan. I thought the interior was lackluster. And I thought the uh I just thought the overall package wasn't compelling enough. Now I'm trying to convince myself now that it would be compelling. But I know in reality I'd be disappointed after a few months. So now what about the Focus ST? And I want you guys to let that sink in for a second. Now you may be writing those off. They stopped making them after the 2018 model year. As you guys know, Ford is no longer uh, making cars. I don't think... I think the only car left they're going to make is the... Oof. You know, I think I'm... I don't think there is a car they're going to make. I think the Fusion's out. The Focus is out. And by, by make, they're not going to release them in the United States. They'll be selling them overseas. But the U.S. market's dominated by crossovers and SUVs and trucks. Which is disappointing to say the least. But the good thing about the, the Focus ST is that there's an incredible 
sale on them right now. You can find uh, brand new STs for under $20,000. So I'm thinking to myself, could a ST fit the bill? And I'm just kind of meh. I'm just kind of mad about the whole thing, yeah? It's just not very exciting. In terms of new cars, I'm not even looking at new cars. So let's just let's just bypass that. I'm also thinking about what about luxury cars? What about like a a used a gently used uh luxury type car? And there's two that that I'm thinking about and I'll I'd love to hear you guys' feedback on this. Infinity Q50S I think they're striking. I like the interiors. I love the sound of the 3.7. They stopped making the 3.7, by the way, in 2015. They now have a uh, turbo and twin turbo V6, but I partial to the 3.7, so it would have to be a 2015. There's also the IS350 from Lexus, or even the, I, uh, the GS350 from Lexus and F Sport trim. What about those guys? Huh? What do you guys think about that? Now, of course, neither of those are uh, manual transmissions. I'm, I'm going to have to relegate and myself to the automatic world. That's currently what I'm driving now. I wouldn't lie if I said that uh, I didn't enjoy it sometimes, having the automatic just to cruise around in. I have to think about shifting gears. But, uh, you know, it's something to think about. So I think for now, it's just kind of, I'm in a holding pattern. I'm going to roll the Chrysler deep. My wife's been pulled over a few times, and she thinks she's been uh, racially profiled, actually. And not because she's black, but because she drives a 300, and I think the cops see it, and they think, oh, there's someone nefarious inside that. So they pull her over, and they, they get disappointed when they find out it's a 5'4 white woman. They end up, they still give her tickets, by the way, but she, uh, she's been pulled over a lot in that car. I have yet to experience that. But uh, she's questioning perhaps the car is what's the attractant and not the actual offense uh, which they claim she commits. So I'm not quite sure about that. I want to give a shout-out to Shades Wade, by the way. Um, you know, Shades is out in... I think he said he lives in Meatloaf, Virginia. Shades, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't actually think it's Meatloaf, but it sounded like Meatloaf on your last live stream. So I'm just going to call it Meatloaf. Meatloaf, Virginia, and uh, he's still in the search for a new car. He lost his in the great Ellicott City flood of 2018. This will go down in the record books, like the great Johnstown flood that I learned about back in fourth grade. This is the great Ellicott City flood of 2018. I think the biggest casualty was likely uh, the DC-5 of Shades, which was lost. It's possible that a few people died. I actually don't know. But... He's still in the search uh, for uh, a new car. Unfortunately, the DC-5 that he was looking at purchasing, uh, that deal fell through, not because of anything Shades, uh, Shades did, but it sounded like the uh, owner was a complete douchebag. And unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, be looked to behave in a matter um, not befitting First, an adult, uh, and secondly, it's uh, it reflects, I think, pretty poorly on the Honda community. Not as if one person's actions should reflect on any type of larger group, but for me, before I got back into Hondas, I was it was hard for me because uh, as a as a grown ass man, 
It's uh, it's hard to connect with people in their late teens. Our value structures are possibly different. The only thing that may uh, we may have in common could be the fact that we both drive a Honda product. And unfortunately for me, that's not enough necessarily that, that you know, that we would kick it. Um, so this guy flaked out and shades and the cell fell through and shades is on the search still so hopefully for him he uh he finds what he's looking for and i've been looking at craigslist on the dl trying to find something for him that can send his way unfortunately uh, the market is really thin uh, for decent dc5s and dc2s i mean it's, it's a really hard market to be in which for those that have a really nice DC5 or DC2, it means that we take good care of it. It will hold its value. Just keep that in mind. Now, one thing, though, although that guy was a total douchebag, integrity lacking, um, I got to say that I'm pretty impressed. Again, I'm going back to, to Honda Vlogs and how Christian presents other people's, you know, gives us an opportunity to, get a kind of a quick recap on everything that's happened in the community on YouTube at least and uh, it's a really diverse group and that's fantastic to see a lot of different types of builds depending on what you're into I certainly understand that um, why people are more interested in certain technical things um, where others are interested in the more superficial and that's there's again there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're into it's purely entertainment at that point um, you know what the creation of of this podcast and uh, the channel uh, was done so more as an outlet for myself and perhaps I could educate and be educated. Um, there's a lot I simply don't know. Uh, I still am continuing to learn. Uh, I think, and I don't know how it is for a lot of a lot of people. I think there's an assumption, perhaps, um, within the car community, not within the car community, but. If you have a YouTube channel and you're you're putting out videos on DIYs that you have some type of deep background and knowledge, and mine mine personally is not the case. I grew up uh, with a father that I cannot once remember turning a wrench. Um, I can't remember him doing a lot of things, and that's no disrespect to my father. I love him very much, but he wasn't a car guy in the slightest. As I said during the first episode, uh, my introduction to vehicles and to cars was, of course, micro-machines, Hot Wheels, uh, and then, you know, December 23rd, 1997 is when Gran Turismo dropped, and, you know, the rest is history. Um, when it came to actually getting my hands on a car, it was my own. Now, I can tell you this. I mean, I can remember I was so scared when I first got... Uh, the 98 hatch uh, we bought it I can remember buying it from this gentleman it was a salvage title by the way if you've never bought a salvage title car I would highly suggest you don't do it had to get that re-Filipino Noir sorry about that so uh, we went out and saw the car it was silver it was so fly back in the day it had these Oh, these wheels, they weren't stock. I can't remember the brand. Like Advanti or some terrible wheel. And Fotines. And uh, it was a salvage title. Automatic transmission, because I was a bitch ass. Didn't know how to drive a stick. 
I'll tell you about how I learned to drive a stick here shortly. And uh, it fit the bill. It was nine grand, if I remember correctly. I took out a loan. This is my first big endeavor into being an adult. Now, this is, of course, during my senior year in high school. Parents helped out a bit with the down payment. I was working at uh, Funco Land. That's the video game store. Before it became GameStop. So I'm OG, by the way. I'm OG video game store guy. And uh, it was super intimidating. I mean, to work on the car. I mean, it was. I was actually. I was actually. I mean, I'm not lying when I say this. I was of the mindset that I thought that the moment I began to loosen a bolt, like the entire car would fall apart, and not like literally fall apart, but like just this concept that once it's undone, it can never be put back the same way again. And that just problems would persist. And do it's like the first domino would begin to fall. And it would just get worse from there. Now, of course, over time, my uh, my view of that has changed, obviously. But uh, I remember how scared I was trying to install my first eBay short ram intake. Malteza taillights. I'm not lying about this, by the way. These are all parts that I actually did buy off eBay. Malteza taillights. Put some blue side markers on that bitch. I put a window banner that said Honda across the top of my Honda. This is all the truth, guys. This is where it all started, man. All of us were tacky once. All of us had terrible taste at some point in our lives. And that's why I can't... And that's why I don't hate on the guys that are doing the stance thing right now. I don't even know if the stance thing is the thing right now. Uh, if it's maybe move past that to something else, if it's just the rocket bunny thing, I don't know what it is nowadays. But the point is, is that we all start somewhere. We all kind of mature. Our tastes change. It's beautiful. And it's totally okay to admit, to acknowledge where you came from, right? It's important to keep that in mind. But I remember being so scared. And then from there, it was the Civic Hatch. And then I moved to the Ford Focus SVT, the first car I learned to drive stick on. Uh, I modified that pretty heavily, and I did so with the assistance, of course, of some fellow SVT owners. But it was just the process of watching and learning and trial and error and doing it myself. And, you know, you fast forward 15 years from then, I think. Has it been 15 years? It's been 13, 14 years since then, yeah. And it's just time. So it's never too late to just... Give it a go, you know. Obviously, you don't want to do anything that's going to put you in harm's way. You obviously want to do the smart things like make sure your car is on jack stands. Maybe put a tire underneath it on the side just in case the jack stands fail. Just the smart stuff, you know, to to run to, li to lessen the risk of losing a digit. Chopping your arm off. Snapping your neck. But it's just a process by which you have to just go at it, man. Go at it. I remember doing my first suspension on the SVT with the assistance of another dude who was rocking a an S. Uh, it wasn't an SVT. It was a Focus, but he had done some things to it. You know, whatever. And once you begin to understand the simplicity of some of these setups, you become less intimidated by it. Now, I'll be fully honest with you. I'm still super intimidated by uh, working on an engine or a transmission. Now, I watched the install of my uh, the DC-5's Clutch and Fly and LSD, and I thought, you know, this is nearly as bad as I thought it would be. 
but it's still not something I'm just going to dive into on my own. But it's not so scary. It was like when I learned to drive stick. So I got to California. I needed a car. I said, I'm going to do it, man. I'm buying a st I'm, bu I'm learning to drive stick. That was like a goal of mine. Like I said, I'm not leaving this godforsaken fucking state of California until I learned to drive stick. I was out there for some training. And uh, I needed a car. And the SVT focuses were on sale because it's uh, they were discontinuing them. 04 was the last year they were making them. My car was an 04 silver as well. Similar to the silver of my uh, Civic hatch that I had before. And I bought it. It was a six-speed manual, Geetrag, Geetrag, the German uh, company. Six-speed manual transmission, baby. A little 165-horsepower Z-Tech engine. Limited slip diff. It's a sweet little car, man. Sweet little car, and I bought it, and I remember getting to the dealership. I didn't even test drive it, by the way. Uh, got to the dealership. Uh, signed the papers. Car was waiting for me outside. Gave me the keys and said, "Congratulations on your new car." And I fucking got in that car and I sat there, and I said, "Holy shit! I need to learn to drive stick." Now, obviously, up running up to this, I had in my mind, uh, you know, played through the concept of how to drive a stick: clutch in, shift gears. That smooth release of the clutch back onto the gas, all that. I had practiced over and over my head, but putting it into practice was... God damn, that's a big fucking bug, man. Oh, god damn it. I got a beetle on my laptop. Hold on. Let's fuck this thing, man. Hold on. Get the fuck out of here. It's disgusting. If you don't know, I'm uh, I'm a pussy when it comes to, uh, to creepy crawlies. Gross. So I sat there just I I didn't know how to feel at that point like I wasn't scared I mean I was excited I was excited I had this beautiful new car I'm making money you know I'm serving my country life's good right but I don't know if you guys have ever been to Monterey California they got some fucking hills in that that city that are no joke and uh, one of the most difficult things to do, even for experienced stick drivers, is to to handle them hills. Because that thing likes to... you got to slip that clutch a little bit. Now, at this point, I hadn't learned the e-brake trick. If you guys don't know the e-brake trick, you just... You engage the e-brake on the hill. And then you let off the clutch and get onto the gas. while well, you still have the e-brake on, and then you slowly let the e-brake off. And that's how you can maintain your position without rolling backwards, right? That's the concept of that e-brake trick. Now, I didn't know that. So I believe I stalled the car f three times getting back to base on that first drive. But then, day two, maybe I stalled it twice. Day three, I stalled it once. Day four, I'm rolling, baby. Now, these concepts like double clutching, you know, that's, that's something that even as a grown-ass man now, I'm still kind of not partial to. Or heel tone, right? That's um, that's another one. Technology saves your ass there, right? Because it can blip the throttle for you automatically now. So that's pretty boss. But sometimes you just have to go out and get it, right? You know, when it comes to working on your car, you just got to go out and get it. You can't sit back and be afraid 
You just got to sit down. Luckily, you got YouTube. You got manuals all over the internet. I talk a lot of shit about technology. I can go off on technology and how I think there's negative effects from technology that we have yet to even fathom. The impact that that's going to have on future generations. Those that know no life other than the life with technology. And by technology, I primarily mean the internet and social media. But you have to get at it when it comes to that car. You just got to just get in the garage and go for it. Now, it's always better to have a person there with you, obviously. Someone else with a little bit of experience. Or even just someone else there to help you make sure you don't lose a limb. I almost lost my finger working on the DC-5's front brakes. That was one of the scariest moments of my life when that knuckle slammed down. I was actually, I believe I was working on the suspension. I was trying to get, it's a McPherson strut in the front. Not a double wish, baby. It's a McPherson strut. So, uh, I believe I was taking the stock suspension out of the front. Stock McPherson strut out. When I did that, the knuckle fell forward, you know, and my finger was underneath holding the knuckle. I didn't account for the weight of it. And it slammed down on my finger, and it pinched it. And I swear to God, I thought I fucking snapped that thing off. I actually had to use my little bit of weight and a little muscle to get that knuckle up to slip my hand out. And I was expecting fully, I was fully expecting to look down and see either deep laceration or missing digit. Um, but luckily, I got bones of titanium. Actually, no, it's I think it's adamantium. I got like adamantium bones, like Wolverine. So nothing happened. It was just bruised. Heavily bruised, but I bossed through it. Um, but it was scary. I still think about that. It kind of frightens me to work on the car sometimes because I'm afraid, you know, of pinching or of losing something. You know, I got kids, man. I don't want to show up, you know, shaking the hand of my daughter's first boyfriend and he f- be freaked out because my hand's got only three fingers, you know? That would be weird. I can't even give high fives. I'd be giving high threes. That's kind of awkward, you know? So. You just got to go at it, boys. You just got to go at it. All right. So we are with 42 minutes. Well, we've definitely bested the first podcast. So let me just talk about the Arter- the uh, Integra Type R real quick and the plans in the next week or so, and then we'll sign off for the night. I got to get this up on the Internet. I got to get some sleep. I got to be up at 4 a.m. tomorrow. I got five more days of work until the weekend, until I can get some of that garage time. So what's coming up? So uh, the hard race front camber arms should be here this week from Nemo's, which means those will go in on either Saturday or Sunday. The wife and I haven't figured out which day will be the garage day yet. We'll be getting those in the front. I'll be raising the front of the car a quarter inch. Uh, We'll also attack the back. We'll get those real trailing arm bushings in from Spoon. The uh, removal tool will arrive from Amazon.com, so we'll get those pushed in hopefully without any issue. I'm praying we don't run any strip bolts, seize bolts. We'll also raise the raise the rear quarter inch too. I want to keep the uh, the front and rear consistent when it comes to raising. I want to get a little bit more height up, a little bit too low still. And then from there, I think uh, we are good to go. I think it's been it's simply a matter of getting into the uh, shop to get it aligned and ready for the mountain run on the seventh. Everything else about the car right now is running 
fantastically well. I'm also thinking about stripping the rear of the car out, getting the back seat out, a few other things. Not 100% sure about that yet. I got my father's shop to store it up at, but other than that, the car is running really well. I got I, I drove it this morning uh, to work. It uh, it's quite it's quite lovely. That's all I can say about that. It's great. I've been rocking that initial D soundtrack so hard. I probably look like a complete weirdo when people roll up to me and I'm listening to some Japanese music and I have no idea what they're saying, but I know it's initial D, so it gets the juices flowing. Um, the steering wheel, I installed the Gretti steering wheel yesterday, by the way. That is just a gorgeous piece. If you haven't checked out my Instagram, reach out at Broke Dad Garage, and uh, it's a beautiful piece. Finally showed up from Nemo's. Got a few more things from Nemo's. I'm waiting on the Jay's Duct and the uh, a few more spoon parts, some accessories, shift knob and rear view mirror. But overall, it's a peach, man. It's a peach. It's uh, one of those things where every time I look at it, I see all the the body damage that's done to it, all the scars, the battle scars, and uh, I can think I think about whether or not I want to spend a couple grand on getting it all cleaned up, or if I just leave it the way it is and just just enjoy it, be proud of it. It's a survivor. That's what it comes down to to me when I look at that car. Is that I could spend a few thousand dollars which is basically a really nice vacation with my family. And I can spend it on a car and cover up all the life experience that it's acquired over the last 18 years and do so, really only do so with the hopes that one day if I sell that car, someone that buys it likes the paint job. Or I can just leave it. Let it be beautifully ugly, you know? It's like a girl you meet that's kind of got a weird nose or maybe a funky scar on her face. But yet she's kind of hot. You don't really quite, you don't know what it is about her, but there's something you like about her imperfections. That's kind of the way I think about this car. It's like I could try to cover it up, you know? I could try to swap out the emblem, my, my sun faded emblems on the front and rear and replace them with OEM fresh red. I could do that. But. I feel like I take away a little bit of the character of the car. What makes it, it. What makes, I think I named the car Rebecca. Fuck it. We'll call it Rebecca. What makes Rebecca, Rebecca. The smashed up rear bumper a little bit. The sagging front bumper. The dents. It's all of it, man. It's all of it. It's what I love. It's so imperfect. It's imperfectly perfect for me so that's it guys thanks for listening to the broke dad garage podcast this is episode two installment two um feel free to give feedback ask questions if you have any ideas you want to hear me talk about anything specific let me know i'm gonna enjoy this delicious pinot noir export this motherfucker to mp3 get on the internet and get some sleep i gotta grind tomorrow starts all over again you guys take it easy god bless peace out